Harmless fun? Let's see what happens next. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson's Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday to you. I'm Gary Mans. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mans and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. Of course, if our luck holds up, and if we stay on the good side of bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you doing today? You don't seem to be sweating as much. No, we. Uh, thank you very much for noticing. I actually you know, <laughs> took a shower, and yes, but I'm going to say, nah, 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 we beat you. <laughs> oh, yeah, so I think he's talking about temperature. <laughs> oh, yes, 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 yes. That's unbelievable. We have never, you had what, 100? The official high was what, 106, 108? Yeah, around that. I do have a screenshot of where I was at the time. Uh, my boys and I went down to the lake. It was 107, and I got a screenshot wow. of that. Uh, other places wow. clocked in over 110, 118, I guess, out in Maple Valley area. But, of course, those are kind of not exact numbers. Those are probably from someone's, you know, like <laughs> thermometer sitting in the middle of the yard, and it's metal, something like that. <laughs> but uh, it's not, you know, where they really do it. But yeah, it was a re- it was a hot one. It's finally subsided. Everyone's kind of calming down. But you know, we're weather wimps, anyways. So that's right. We if you saw it get... in the snow. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> that's right. If you want to get over being a weather wimp, move to Florida because we have a hurricane <laughs> heading toward our neighborhood sometime soon, maybe Tuesday, <laughs> yep. and we don't know if it's going to hit, and if it does, where it's going sure. to hit. So lucky. Yeah, we just—it's just, it's just too much us. fun. Right. Believe me. Well, anyway, I'm glad that you folks got through what you did. It was national news, of course, and you turn on—and I don't just mean on the Weather Channel. I mean like ABC Evening News, etc. Mm-hmm. There, and we watched the Weather Channel throughout, and we were definitely with you in spirit because I never had to go through anything quite that bad. I remember the previous high, 103 degrees in the summer of I think it was the end of July in 2009 and Suzanne and I wound up buying a big block of ice sitting it on a chair and turning (laughs) on a fan to cool ourselves and we watched it melt down to a bag of water (laughs) that was our high-tech way of dealing with it and then this was even worse my goodness I hope you don't have anything like that a heat dome anytime soon no not especially but have you ever gone ice block sledding I have no, not. It works. Like it. you get a block of ice, you take it on a hill, and you sit on it and slide right down. Totally works. <laughs> Try it. Impress your friends. All the high tech things in the world. Impress your friends. Slide down a, on a block of ice. Ride that block of ice there, <laughs> cowboy. Beautiful. Thank you, Benny. I'm glad you are well. Today we're going to have a first-time guest. We love our first-time guests. We do. Kate Ekman is going to be with us today. She has written a book, and it's called The Full Spirit Workout. Okay? It's a 10-step system. The Full Spirit Workout. Emphasis on spirit, but also, I think, uh, of like mind, a workout. A workout. For your soul, for your spirit, for that emotional body we carry around. There's a lot in here. A 10-step system to shed your self-doubt strengthen your spiritual core, and create a fun and fulfilling life. Kate Ekman is our guest. Let me read a bit more about her. We call this giving someone their mad props. And here's how they sound today. Kate Ekman is a broadcast journalist, TV personality, and author of The Full Spirit Workout. She brings her expertise in communications, performance, and mindfulness to her practice as a success coach for business leaders and professional athletes. 
She earned a BA in communications from Penn State University, where she was an academic All-American swimmer and received her master's degree in broadcast journalism from All Hail the Wildcats, Northwestern University's Medill School of Journalism. Yes, we have. that means we have two Wildcats in the house. She also graduated at the highest level from Columbia University's Executive and Organizational Coaching Program. Kate is a certified ICF coach, more to be said there, licensed NBI consultant. She's got all your vowels right That's in true. here with all these letters. And meditation teacher and course creator for Insight Timer. All of these things, these modalities will come to light as we welcome and spend the rest of the hour with Kate Ackman. Kate, welcome to Manson Mitchell. Thank you so much for having me. It's my delight and pleasure to be here with you. Two wild cats. So I, did, <laughs> I got my BA from Northwestern and you got your master's from Northwestern. I love it. It's such a great school, right? Except in the winter. But <laughs> yeah. on those brutal. galoshes <laughs> as, you're, as you're treading through Evanston in the winter. Wow. I've heard stories. Yeah, it just, I, I remember in late April, just walking outside and I just started cursing because it's like, why is it still 30 degrees and the wind you get blown over? And it was, it was challenging, but it made you tough. And then I'm with you. I'm not a weather wussy. And I lived in Florida as well, where you go to work at 7am and you feel like it's a sauna as you yeah. walk to your car. So, um, and New York city where it was like the Seattle heat wave and New York, you walk everywhere, as you know, and walking around in a tropical hundred degree heat i'm sure we all smelled lovely and um so i love that we're all talking about weather because it's it's wild times right now everywhere you go it is wild times weather wise and it's challenging to people and it's interesting because people are talking about how they haven't been able to go to the gyms or get their regular workouts and then you write a book about the full spirit workout. And I'm saying, now, wait a second, workout, workout. I think of workout as being a physical workout, but you wrote a book about a spiritual workout. Why, why did you decide to pick that name of all names? Well, it's a play on the full body workout that you often hear advertised at the gym, but your full spirit is your authentic truth and power. It's your passion, your presence. It's showing up like you mean it and you got something to say. And, you know, I, I, I did a play on the words because I was a competitive swimmer for 17 years and knew how hard I had to train my physical muscles to compete at a high level. And as I went about my life and had a forward facing career and experienced more than my fair share of rejection and was navigating the, the rat race in New York city for so many years, I was struggling like, like most people, I think there's this notion in our culture that if you look a certain way or reach a certain level of success or have a certain amount of money, you've got it all together and you look the part and everything's great. But I think that the sooner that we can normalize that we all struggle with confidence or mental health or whatever it is, the better. And so I really wanted the keys to a better way of life and not just for myself, but for everyone and really getting fit and strong on the inside because I, like most people, again, was guilty of, of placing my worth in the externals, and it's an unsustainable way to live. But this, when you're really building those strong attitudinal muscles, you, you really have the confidence and resilience to weather any storm. What, what you said is so true, especially as we age. And a lot of our listeners fall into that uh, baby boomer demographic born between 46 and 64, and if you have put all of your stock into the outside, 
that begins to take a toll as you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s. And, uh, and so that isn't a good place to spend the rest of your life. You said you were a competitive swimmer for 17 years. What age did you start at? I started at six. Well, actually I started, my mom put me in swim lessons when I'm, you know, four years old, didn't really like it. I talk about that in the book and I was swimming year round when I was six and seven and really traveling the country as a seven and eight year old. So it, it was my life uh, for so long. And then swam at, at Penn State undergrad. And um, I mean, it's just it's, the good news about swimming is it, it trains you for life. You have the discipline and dedication to really do anything like write a book, which takes a lot of discipline. And so I'm grateful for sport. I don't have children. If I did, I would encourage them to pick a sport, not to even be the best or, or to get an athletic scholarship. But I think it teaches you so much about yourself and what it means to be a good teammate and really life lessons that you can incorporate forever. You know, I, I've heard men talk about that over the years, Kate, and it wasn't until Title IX came that women were even allowed to participate in that way and get some get life lessons out of sports. And we have not talked to a lot of people in sports, so it's great to talk to somebody who was in sports for 17 years and also a woman. And it, it, I'm going to jump like right into the middle of the book here, because I think you said something important about discipline and it has to do, it, it's like a hologram of the entire book. And that is that um, I liked very particularly what you were talking about with regard to punctuality and about being a couple minutes late, you learn things in the area of discipline that really um, expand your consciousness in a way to give you a better, a better experience of life, a more expanded experience of life. And, uh, and I want, and I, when I read the part about punctuality, I, Gary and I were talking about that this morning, that's just one trait of hundreds, but how does that play into uh, the full spirit workout when you're talking about one trait like punctuality. Well, I think it's really important to identify and then leverage our unique gifts and strengths. And I, I give you all the ways to do that. And there's assessments you can take and so forth. But I think we spend way too much time coddling our own weaknesses or neuroses or, you know, our ego mind telling us where we got it wrong, how we don't quite measure up. And so for me, it really, and, and with my coaching clients, so important to focus on our strengths and a strength of mine is something I learned from my swim coach who was very strict about punctuality and practice started at 2.30. And if you roll in at 2.31, 2.32, for whatever reason, he would say, hurry up and catch up. Those are words you never wanted to hear because you are fran you're like, you know, speed racing through warm up, which is supposed to be easy. You're doing flip turns on top of your teammates. You're you're exhausted before you even get to the main sets. And so it really is training your 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 that's mental, that's mental and physical muscles too. And and the importance of being on time to show respect for yourself, your teammates, your coach, and your your practice, your discipline. And so I think everyone has their special sauce. I like to help people identify it, but 
this is a book about training those attitudinal muscles. You know, fun is in the subtitle. So I make the practices and exercises fun. So you actually want to do them and come back to them. But, you know, so many people talk about, I'm not reaching my goals, or I don't have this life that I like, or I'm not feeling fulfilled, but they show up with no energy or enthusiasm. And I think, I don't even believe you when you say you want this thing. Writing a book is a perfect example. I think we need to have a, a strong why. And for me, even showing up on time, my why was respect for my teammates and being a really good teammate. So you, and, and caring about my performance in the sport. So I think the quicker we can identify what's important to us and why, and then identify our strengths and leverage them, not just for our own benefit, for but really the collective. And I think that's another great thing about being an athlete. It's you can be other focused. You actually care about your teammates. Leveraging our strengths, caring about your teammates. And then there are the other ladies or the other guys. Let me ask you this, Kate. In competition, and you had many years of experience in the pool and, and in the world, what do you do, and I, I'm assuming you're not a practitioner of this dark art, but what do you do when you run into people who just before you get into the pool might say something like, have you been putting on weight? Are, are you okay? There, what are the little tricks that you found people use to try to psych you when you just want to be your honest best? Yeah. And that's a great question because as I like to say, it's easy to be kind and loving to people who are kind and loving to us, but, but the work is to extend that kindness to people who aren't being kind or loving or um, seem out to sabotage you or haven't done the inner work and are, are very deeply insecure, unhappy and project that outward. This happens all the time, just like the chaos and insanity of the world isn't going anywhere. So we have to get still and steady on the inside, but Something I've learned is that when we are triggered, because that's something we'd be triggered in that situation, when we're triggered, it's because our values are being threatened. So for me, I have spent a lot of time, you know, discovering what my values are. For instance, freedom, number one value. Um, that's why I like to be an independent contractor and I, I travel the world and I don't work a nine to five. An entrepreneur, you kind of work all the time, but I, I set my own schedule. And so when someone's trying to control me by a rude comment or manipulate me with a certain thought, I'm just like, oh, my value of freedom is being threatened. That's why I'm triggered. And then when you recognize that, and then you can see, oh, and this person may be in a lot of pain, which is why they're attacking my appearance or trying to bring me down. So I may want to immediately judge them. That's what we do, right? You're judging this person. But then I move into compassion because I think, wow, this person is obviously unhappy and insecure with their own life. So they need to come for me, come at me for something. And um, I think it's so important to protect our energy field and space and be really mindful of, of the people that we interact with and are around and, um, I, I try to just like, for, as I say, forgive and delete or, you know, um, thank you for your comments or just, I, I like humor. Again, humor is one of my signature strengths. So if you said something to me like, oh, wow, you put on some pounds, I would be like, yeah, these are my prosperity pounds. I've been traveling the world, eating the best food at the most luxurious five-star results. These are my prosperity pounds. I've been living the good life. Thanks for noticing, <laughs> you know, and just kind of have some fun with it. I like I that, like which that just proves to me that, that going going <laughs> through life is much like being in a beauty contest. How much Vaseline can you put on your teeth when you're smiling? 
I, I liked when you talked about attitudinal muscles, because I think that is a lot of what we're talking about and, and what you're saying that you can get a negative comment and just turn it right around on somebody. And, you know, w- with regard to, um, you know, developing those attitudinal muscles, the other thing that you said that I made a note about was coddling our own weaknesses how easy it is to say, well, you know, I am the way I am because of, you know, my parents, my health, I'm poor, you know, whatever it is, we're, we're more than willing to cut ourselves a break rather than the courage to keep going and be disciplined and work those muscles. Because isn't that what the physical workout in the gym is all about? is that you build muscles every single time you go. Well, attitudinally, it isn't like, oh yeah, I did that once. You have to do it over and over and over again, don't you, Kate? Absolutely. You know, we we work our physical muscles because we're combating gravity. <laughs> if you're not working at keeping your muscles up, they're going down and we're all over 25 here. I say that with love, but you know, we've experienced that. Our bodies change as we get older. And so the same is true with our attitudinal muscles. We are combating against emotional gravity, fear, stress, anxiety, judgment, comparison, anything that weighs us down. And I wish I was here to tell everyone that it's all going away and the world is becoming a much happier, more loving place. Um, Not necessarily. I I think it would be if everyone was doing the full spirit workout and, and taking this seriously and taking their spiritual fitness seriously. But that's why we have to do this inner work. And, you know, as I like to say to people, you can't just show up at the gym in your cute outfit and expect to be fit. Your personal trainer can't do your push-ups or sit-ups for you. That's on you. And this is true with these inner practices. But as you do them, you start becoming the person who can actually achieve your cherished goals. This isn't about striving or controlling or manipulating. You just automatically become that person. And, And I'm the proof of it because opportunities that I would have been striving or controlling, trying to control years ago, Now they come to me, people call me, people email me. It's because I've become the person who attracts these experiences and opportunities and and money and and love and things like that. So it does work if you do, but you know, you do have to put in the work, but just like physical exercise, as you do these, these practices, it becomes easier and easier. And then you begin to crave them because you're seeing results and improved relationships and newfound confidence and oh my gosh, I just got this new job opportunity or whatever it is. And, you know, even I had something happen today, I've been thinking about for a long time and and working towards, and, you know, I just signed a lease on a new apartment. And I I think it really is from all these practices that I'm doing. And and the universe is like, you give this to her. I mean, of course I've worked hard. I have the money, things like that, but it's just something that I've been working towards. And when it, I mean, this happened so easily, that's when you also know it's meant to be. It's, it feels effortless, just like your favorite musician playing the electric guitar or the athlete hitting the home run. It's just, they've put in the work. So then when it's time to step up to the plate, they can just be in the moment and let it rip. When you go to various places around the country, uh, you've been kind of, you've been really uh, moving between New York City and Cincinnati. That's a study in contrast in itself. 
but that's almost unfair to say because any place in New York City becomes a study in contrast. So when you are in these different places, and just as a general evaluation, you can make it as particular as you like, Kate, how do you see people functioning or perhaps failing to function adequately in these various places? Is there a common theme among them? Or is there a way that you do New York, a way that you do Cincinnati? I know there's a way that people do Seattle. I could go into a long speech about that. And I love me some Seattle. It's just that people do have behavioral differences and they tend to show up in ways that have to be negotiated in in order for a person to succeed in life to any degree. Yeah, I think a common theme is step one in my book, which is stretch your comfort zone. And I I say all of this with love, but I think the New Yorkers, for instance, are so comfortable, even if it's very uncomfortable in the hustle and the grind, it's very self-focused and money and career focused. So perhaps stretching the comfort zone in Manhattan is is taking a time out and, and, and giving yourself some more space and freedom to not be in full on ambition achievement at all times. You know, and I can say that speaking to myself, I think Ohio, for instance, the the comfort zone may be going to a big city or or daring to put yourself out there in a bigger way. You know, Ohio is a very comfortable place. There's not a lot of challenges here. As I used to say, I'd come visit and I think, what do you stress out about here? (laughs) It's just, I'm so used to a stressful place like New York City, but I think all of us are, are guilty of falling into patterns that feel easy and comfortable and, and we haven't thought about in a while what it would mean to stretch that comfort zone, what it would mean to step out of that, or people that say, well, I'm happy here in this little bubble, whatever your bubble is. And, and I dare to invite them to say, you know, do you even really, do you even know what happiness is? Because you've been in the same place your whole life. And I'm glad that you're happy, but I think life gets really juicy and more meaningful and fulfilling when we dare to suck, as I say, dare to do, like that's me in dance class, dare to do something that is uncomfortable, where we aren't great and challenge ourselves in new ways. So in, in both those cities that you mentioned, for instance, I see a lot of people who are just stuck in a certain pattern and, and they haven't really allowed themselves to see you know, how great life can be or becoming the person and stretching into the person that can achieve a new level of success or joy. Thank you. That was a very complete answer. (laughs) Suzanne, your witness. My witness. Um, I was thinking we ought to take our break now. I, there, I want to launch into a whole new topic when we come back. That sounds good. We also may want to redial because we're getting some attenuated tones with you that are certainly not your fault, Kate, there, but your voice is being stretched out a little bit in a way that we find mystifying. I think it's our our computer, our internet. Really? So I got to go out to Best Buy now? Yes, you do. On the break. Well, why don't we go ahead and (laughs) redial on Zoom? And Benny, if you will manage that as you do so ably, then we'll take our break. We'll be gone ah, two and a half minutes or so, and then we will hear more. And I want to hear more stories from the life and the career of Kate Ekman because she's been through so much and has done so much, she is an inspiration. And she does it, which kind of teases what I'm gonna talk about on the other side of the break. Kate does all of this while existing in a universe that only knows how to say yes. And so we will reflect on that on the other side of this short break. We are Manson Mitchell. You're right here with us at the epicenter of Alternative Talk in Seattle, AM 1150. We'll be right back. 
Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed first-time guest Kate Ekman, who teaches us how to strengthen our spiritual core in a full spirit workout. On Saturday, put on your dancing shoes and enjoy Independence Day boomer music favorites when we play DJs for a day. It's like Hamilton without the ticket hassle. Bringing you mastery and mystery and occasionally some music since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk AM 1150. You pledged your life to serve, to make our country stronger, safer, more free, more equal. You worked tirelessly, made sacrifices, missed first steps and birthdays, lost loved ones. At VA, we don't see the setbacks endured. We see lessons applied and passion driving you upward and forward. We don't see all the masks you wear, but we hope you can set some aside. We embrace your uniqueness and won't trivialize your past, your fears, or your hardships. We can't promise to heal all wounds or wash away all trauma, but we do see hope, a path forward, a future. We see all veterans. We see you. An opportunity to help you achieve a new mission, whatever that may be. Learn how treatment works and recovery is possible. Visit maketheconnection.net. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world-famed, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is manceandmitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Kate Ekman. She is the author of The Full Spirit Workout, a 10-step system to shed your self-doubt, strengthen your spiritual core, and create a fun and fulfilling life. If people would like to connect with you, Kate, uh, do you have a website? Where can they get your book? Anything that you would like to share with our listeners? Absolutely. So it's Kate Ekman, K-A-T-E-E-C-K-M-A-N.tv, like the tube you watch, and the fullspiritworkout.com. And from there, you can order the book. It's, it's everywhere books are sold online and in stores. It gives you more information and all the ways to find me on social media as well. So I'd love to connect with you there. It's really a beautiful community. We're about connection and collaboration rather than comparison. And it's, it's really a, um, energizing and uplifting space on the internet. So please join me over there. 
All right. I'd like to read a paragraph in your book, if you don't mind. We do this occasionally. And there was one that particularly caught our attention. And this is on page 88. You say, my inner perfectionist was mortified. You are quite accomplished at many things. Why don't you spend your time and energy doing those things? Queried, queried that inner perfectionist, who I like to call Kim. Naming my inner critics and the feelings that try to tear me down or hold me back is my tongue-in-cheek but powerful way to master them. You're wanting, you're wasting your time here, Kim continued. She's a real pill, right? Starting with failure was the perfect way to hush Kim up. And that's what this step is all about. Letting go of limiting beliefs that are holding us back, such as my belief that I couldn't and shouldn't dance, so that instead we strengthen our core confidence. You were talking about dancing right before we went to the break, and it reminded me of that paragraph. Gary and I interviewed a couple of different people who are uh, talking about there was a point in time um, years ago, over 100 years ago, when it was generally accepted that we had multiple personalities inside ourselves. And I don't mean all crazy like a civil necessarily, but even as normal human beings, we call on different people for the different things that they offer. And inside of ourselves, we have people who are really supportive and for us and people who are less supportive and less for us. And so when I read that you named your perfectionist, Kim, that really caught my attention because of the other people that we have spoken to on this topic. And I, I find it interesting that you can separate yourself in that way and use that to your benefit to be able to say, oh, well, that's just my inner critic. Have you looked at your life in that way, being a competitive swimmer, being on television, being a broadcast journalist, um, living in various places? Have you ever considered that there are multiple people inside of you all working? I, I think the ego kind of represents several people and, and they're all jerks, quite frankly. And, and we are all guilty of listening to those jerks and making that our truth. And, you know, or maybe it's even, you know, I also talk in the book about the swim instructor who communicated to my mother that he didn't think I was a very good swimmer. And even as a sweet little four-year-old, I made that a core belief that said, oh my gosh, I really have to perform at a high level. So I feel safe in the world. And so my mother and father love me and are proud of me and I can impress strangers and not be spoken badly about. And I think our inner critic does the same thing. And, and the reason and the way that I really got clear on this is when, you know, I was, I was publicly body shamed while working as a swimsuit model. And I had to realize, okay, you're so offended. You're so insulted. You, you feel horrible by these comments, but let's be clear. You have dished out some pretty harsh criticism of yourself. And once you clean that up, those other comments, you don't hear them as much. They kind of fall away. If you do hear something, it really doesn't affect you because you're so clear on who you are. So, you know, I think the more that we can realize that this is just the ego mind that likes to keep us stuck and put us down and, and spend the time instead listening to that divine wisdom. You want to call it God, spirit, universe, 
whatever it is, it's the wisdom that turns an acorn into an oak tree or an embryo into a baby. It's at play behind the scenes, whether you choose to believe it or not, I choose to believe. And so I take the time to sit quietly in a room alone every day without distractions. It's my, you know, non-negotiable sit and stare time, I call it, because I want to become more practiced at listening to the truth, to this divine wisdom that gives me inspiration in terms of what action steps to take. And the more and more I become practiced at listening to this divine wisdom, the less and less I even listen to that ego. And and when it does come up, I've named it. I'm like, oh, this is, oh, this is Kim. Hey, Kim, how you doing? You know, you can take several seats. Um, and you know, kind of put her in her place. And it's really, really empowering. But first we have to recognize that this is even going on. So many people have no idea that this is even what's happening. And and then they can't understand why they're filled with anxiety and insecurity and self-doubt and why they feel terrible all the time. Well, I think all of the personalities that we have inside of us are really just there to help us survive and, and do what they can to you know, add to our lives, keep us safe. As you said, many of them are ego driven. So they're fear based. And they're saying, don't do that, you're going to get hurt, you know, don't get involved with that person, that thing, that project, because it it might not work out. And, and, and so there's a lot of that fear based stuff. But there, there. When you're saying that um, you were striving to be better, even as a very young child, because you wanted to make sure that you had the the love and respect of your parents, and and on and on, it seems to me that's a, a another um, an another aspect of a personality that is is make is driving is uh that that disciplinarian that driving force to succeed that um was in part uh helping you to succeed it it wasn't just a negative there's a positive there too Absolutely. I think that's a great point that you made because on the one hand, you know, I think I was born a very strong, driven, ambitious person. And so that, that guy's comment, I mean, I went on to break almost every record at that swim club and was a state and national champion, got a swimming scholarship to, you know, a great division one athletic program and and university. And, but at what cost? Because, you know, I even say you you would think I'd be filled with, with so much joy and satisfaction, but instead I was filled with turmoil. I was, you know, my obsession with performance left me with the pain of anxiety and an insecurity of having to be so quote unquote perfect all the time, which no such thing exists. And so I think for all of us, it's great to, um, look at the positives that we got from a certain comment or certain something, but we have to really be careful that we aren't striving for something that causes us, that costs more than we benefit. And Ah, so, yeah, yeah. it's like, okay, I was driven. I achieved the success, but at, at what cost? And that's really, you know, in many ways, that's where the full spirit workout was born at that moment at the swim club as a four-year-old, you know, I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it until I started writing this book and really had to go deep and explore all of these things. So 
I just invite people to spend a little bit more time going back to their origin story and where did this limiting belief even come from? And it, it comes from childhood, a parent, a caregiver, the dude at the swim club, something that we hear that we make a core belief and then we go about our lives collecting evidence for why that is true. And look how often we, we collect evidence for the, the criticism, but then you can get all the compliments in the world and we kind of dismiss it. So I think the more that we can be conscious of this and just make more intentional, deliberate choices, the better, but you know, like going to the gym and working out, this does take some effort and it takes some time, um, off of social media and, and not being bombarded with all the messaging and imaging from our culture. You've got, you've got to sit quietly in a room alone. I know this is uncomfortable for a lot of people, but what is the alternative? You know, we, we really start need to start to get to know who we are at our core. Well said, Kate. And it puts me in mind of what I hope to discuss with you in the remaining time we have here. One of the topics is this notion that the universe always says yes. First time I heard that, I just cocked my head to one side and thought, can that really be so? I mean, it doesn't that sound a little airy fairy? It's a little bit too agey for my taste. And yet I found that in terms of collecting evidence, you want to talk about collecting evidence there. If I carried the attitude that people were against me, it's amazing how much opposition I ran into. If I said people are no damn good, I found myself focusing on all the bad news in the world. And don't you notice how heavily weighted the evening news is locally or nationally on all the things that go wrong? If it bleeds, it leads. If there's a catastrophe, if there's political struggle, you get a steady diet of that. But when I started to think in terms of, yes, I can have this relationship. Yes, I can do what I do on the radio, for example. Avenues opened up that were previously closed to me, and it seemed like it was a whole path making itself known because I stated a thing with intention and a certain degree of positive emotion, of acceptance of my good, and then here comes opportunity. Yeah, and I, I think it's more than just having the thoughts. Our thoughts, of course, are very powerful, but you know, I, I'm not just thinking these thoughts and then sitting on the couch eating bonbons all day. So I think it's have the thoughts and, and we don't want a spiritual bypass or, 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 you know, enroll in the toxic positivity where it's like, everything's great. I'm fine. When really your life is kind of falling apart around you, you know, own it. And then you can, the emotion moves through you quite quickly. I think the research says our emotions really only stay with us for 90 seconds. And anything after that is us creating a story and making it into something else entirely. So again, cleaning that up. But for me, I, I think with confidence or with the, getting support and co-creating with the universe, whatever it is, you for, that goes back to stretching your comfort zone. For instance, I got a, a big hug and high five from, from the universe when I you know, reluctantly left Los Angeles for Chicago to, to go to Northwestern for grad school. I never imagined leaving LA, but I was also giving my relationship with my boyfriend in Chicago a real shot. It was a really, really hard decision for me and uncomfortable, but I, I took that leap of faith and I sold my condo to this date, the, the highest peak of the U.S. real estate market. My home tripled in value in three years. And so that was kind of the universe winking at me like, all right, sister, you took a risk. I'm going to support you. So 
I think the more that we can support ourselves, the universe is always watching and, and listening. I think also when the times I've said, oh, I'm really, I'm ready to get married or I'm ready for a serious relationship. And the universe is like, okay, great. But then I was choosing to date wildly appropriate partners where I know would not lead to marriage or a serious relationship because I was still emotionally unavailable and attracting the same. You know, the universe is always watching and listening. And it's like, you say you want a serious committed relationship, but you are entertaining the opposite of that. So what's up? And as I like to say, don't confuse the universe. And that really forces us to be accountable and, and really put our money where our mouth is. And it's not just about saying certain things. It really is taking the actions that support what you're saying you want, right? Does that make sense? It does make sense. It also makes me curious about this idea that you write about in your book, and you seem to carry this attitude with you that we all have the ability to attain a kind of spiritual immunity. There's a, if there's a pandemic that is perpetual, it is to veer toward the negative, to doubt ourselves, to doubt others, to get burned. And you know the old saying, once burned, twice shy, and the follow-up is twice burned, forever shy. And yet you talk about a kind of spiritual immunization. There are steps to that, I gather. Yeah. And, you know, well, and, and one that isn't just like we know sugar, if you're, especially if you're sick, you, you know, you eat your veggies and your protein and those are our spiritual vitamins I'll get to, but, you know, social media is the equivalent of, of eating, you know, a can full of sugar when, when you're sick, especially. And so, um, you know, our, our culture says that we need all these things to be happy, worthy of anything, such as good looks, um, lots of money, the house, the car, the good grades, all the shiny objects. But what research indicates and, and what my own life has dictated is that none of that stuff actually moves the needle on our well-being. What moves the needle, which has been proven scientifically again and again, study after study, I put many of them in my book, are things like acts of kindness and service, sleep exercise, time affluence, social connection, and my personal favorite, the gratitude visit that positive psychology founder Martin Seligman talks about so eloquently. And, and that's, you know, writing the letter to someone who has profoundly changed your life for the better, reading that letter to them, and, and just the bond that it creates. And, and your, your well-being is boosted, not just that day or week. I read this letter to my friend Vanessa, you know, a year and a half ago. And it, it just, it has increased our well-being and our bond and our, the strengthened our relationship immensely. And all of these things I've list, listed are free. Um, when do we think of gratitude visits? No one ever really does them except for at a funeral. When the person is gone, then it's like, oh, I loved him so much. He did all these wonderful things for my life. But there's this notion that it's like so uncomfortable to look at your boss or your colleague or your wife or whomever in the eyes and, and read them a, a, a note of gratitude and appreciation. So I've started making this mandatory with my corporate clients who this is not normally in their wheelhouse. They're not, they're not writing appreciation notes to the CFO, certainly, but they've started doing this and I see the emotion pour out. And who are you going to work harder for or show up more for more? Um, someone who you feel appreciated by or someone who you feel like doesn't even see you or acknowledge you. So these are our spiritual vitamins. They're free. You can access this at any time. And and the the results are, are so incredible that I just, I, you can, I just want to go on and on about it. I'm so passionate about this because I hear so many excuses and so much complaining and so much ain't it awful. Let me enroll you in my ain't it awful story. And 
and I'm not, I'm not going to enroll in that story, especially when there's these free resources you can cultivate that are available to you all the time. I like that, Kate. And you know, when we, when we talk about the body, mind, spirit connection, I said to Gary, uh, I understand the 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 uh, distinction here between the full body workout and the full spirit workout. And I said, but Kate's book is also really a lot about mental health. And, and it, it could have been the full mind spirit workout. Uh, forget the body because you're not talking about physically exercising, although you do you do talk about, you know, keeping yourself in shape and meditation and things that are bodily related. But um, really, it's a good mental workout as well as a good spiritual workout to get your mind in the right place to be receptive for your good. And, and I like that. Yeah, thank you. I mean, they're all connected, right? I, th- there's no more denying that our, our physical body, our, our spiritual health, our, our, our minds, our emotions our attitude, it's all connected. You know, that's I, when I went back to school and got my master's in coaching, we, it was all whole person coaching techniques. You don't just coach the, the executive sitting at his desk. He's got a whole other life outside of the office that is affecting his performance and, and everything else. And so we all need to start giving ourselves this full person coaching and, and really addressing all of it. And, and the spirit is really the root of it. So you can put the bandaid, you know, you really have to address the cause, not the effect. Just like, you know, um, if, if you have a disease, for instance, you're not just in your, your, uh, your face turns purple. We're not going to just put foundation on your face. Okay. You look better off you go. No, you have to treat the root of why is your skin turning blue? So I think it's the same with us going in and, and getting really comfortable, getting underneath the hood of the car and asking ourselves these questions. I know not everyone can afford executive coaching for instance. So these coach Kate check-ins and every step and chapter are really the questions that have created so much tremendous growth and transformation with my clients. And it will do the same for you if you're willing to, to show up and put the work in. One of the things that you write about that I liked uh, a lot, and in fact, you mentioned it today was, you know, being triggered by our threatened values. And I, I have often said when someone is acting out or acting badly, I'll say, you know, they have no idea who they are because if they knew their own magnificence, they wouldn't be acting that way. And I said to a, a friend of mine recently, who is a, a, a very giving person, I said, when you know who you are, you can't be attacked like that. If somebody were to say to you, oh, you're a very ungiving person, you would laugh it off because you know that's not who you are. You know that, that who you are is a giving person. But if they say something else that you're not sure about, then that's, the, that's that trigger that where they can actually get in and, and kind of work at you a little bit because all of a sudden you're threatened by a comment about something else, you know, being a bad driver or whatever, whatever the comment might be. It's like, oh, I don't like that because that does need to be worked through. So the, I think the more that you know who you are, and that includes both strengths and weaknesses, 
then I think you can handle all your interactions so much better with people and not let yourself get triggered. You know, it was like when, when Gary was saying, you know, what if somebody says to you, oh, I see you put on a little weight. I mean, you, you have <laughs> yeah. a way of laughing that off. We should all have a way of laughing off the attacks that come at us because there are a lot of people out there who are more than willing to attack us especially, especially if you have achieved any kind of success in life, we call it the old whack-a-mole. You put your, your head above all the rest of the heads and somebody is right there getting ready to bop you in the head with a mallet. I'm so glad Suzanne said that because it reminds me of another cultural observation. And that is in Japan, it is has been understood. I don't know. Generations might use this. The nail that sticks up gets pounded down. So there is a collective mentality that seeks to punish those who would stand up, who would rise above the common rabble in order to achieve something, not pridefully, but you can be proud of your accomplishments. Maybe you're doing some genuine, sustainable good in the world. And yet there are people who will make it their business to cut you down to size. I don't know. Think of like a Dr. Fauci. Hmm. I look at the quality of Dr. Fauci's life and work and I look at his critics and I just laugh. Yeah. And I so many things are coming to mind as, as you speak and, and infuriating definitely comes up. I mean, and I, I write about this in the book and I, I write about the, the late, great Kobe Bryant, his, his book, Mamba Mentality is sitting behind me in my office. I feel his spirit around a lot. And what I loved and admired about him is his, I don't care what you think mentality that he didn't just play lip service to that. He embodied that. And I think of him in the NBA finals back in his hometown of Philadelphia and being booed to death. I mean, it was deafening. And all I could think was like, oh my gosh, I'd be like playing so poorly. I would be freaking out. My feelings would be hurt. He was knocking down three after three, after three, after three, the hatred was fueling him. And I thought that's why he is a champion. Yes. He's athletically talented, works hard. But I wanted to, I want to embody that characteristic more because Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest athletes of all time, is not concerned what the drunk guy in the 400 section <laughs> seats thinks about his basketball playing abilities. I mean, right? And that's always who it is. It's someone who can't even dribble a basketball who's saying, you suck. And I'm just like, <laughs> excuse me? And it, it, it reminds me of like the one of the best things I've ever heard from Brene Brown is, you know, if you aren't also in the arena getting your butt kicked, I am not interested in your feedback. And, you know, I just I'm extra fired up about this because my audio book was just released, you know, a week or two ago. And I go to see the link. My publisher sent it to me. And there was, you know, a two star rating on it right when it came out. And I was pissed because I'm like, this is not a two star product. I think of how hard I worked on this. And some woman just left a nasty comment that didn't even make sense. It was incoherent. And I can't even be mad about the comment because, again, it's like the guy in the cheap seats saying Kobe Bryant sucks at basketball. But for me, it's like, you know, you work so hard on something and, and someone I'm like, those people shouldn't even be allowed to make a, a comment or give a rating. But um, you know, as I, I used to say at a, an organization where I worked, I'm like, this customer will complain about ice cream being cold. So, you know, 
none of us are immune to this. We've all experienced it. It's another reason you brought it up. It, it is a momentarily infuriating, but then again, you just have to laugh. And it's almost like, I pity the people who go around. And I mean, even I think if I didn't like a product, I would never give it a two-star rating and just be like, I was just like, okay, maybe it's not for me or something. And so, you know, I also do the opposite. I, I really show up for people and I, I give all, like my podcast friends or something, I go and give them the good rating and leave the nice review because it's, it's the right thing to do. And then you attract more of that. But yeah, we've got to start putting things in perspective. And like you said, when, when you know who you are, it's like, if someone said to me, I don't like you because you're a bald man, it's like, okay, well, I'm like, have a lot of hair, long blonde hair woman. And so I would never take offense to that. And I think when we do a take offense to something, you know, maybe there's something we need to, to clean up. But like, if someone said, you're, you're so loud, I'd be like, yeah, I'm kind of loud. God made me loud. Oh, well, you know, if you don't care for it, then don't listen to me. (laughs) So I think just like owning it all. And I think there's, you know, also when we know our own weaknesses or perceived flaws, and like, let's say you came at me with something like, oh, Kate, you're so disorganized. I'd be like, yeah, so what? Like, who cares? I'm disorganized. And I'm not, by the way, that's one thing I'm I'm very organized. But so I, I think again, if someone's like, oh, I don't like you because you know, you support the Red Sox. Okay. Thank you. Can, like, thank you next. As Ariana Grande says, thank you next. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I do like that, uh, that approach you articulate that very well. And by the way, Kate, I, I think you have in plenitude, the kind of self-esteem that is grounded in a realistic assessment of your life and your talents, various as they are, that you certainly can withstand what I like to call the Amazon a-holes, because (laughs) those people exist in this world, and some of them do so with glee, because it may be something that you achieved, it may be something that you said in an interview, and for whatever reason, they don't like it. And so they will go out of their way to troll you hard, to throw shade, because that makes them feel a bit better for a little while. Put in context, it's still not pleasant. I mean, I I can't make that a pleasant experience when I run into criticism of, of any kind. And I haven't written the book, so I haven't gotten any bad reviews yet. But when I do run into criticism, I do have to consider the source ultimately, because who really knows you? You have multiple selves, and there seems to be a kind of built-in taboo or a limitation on evolution to this point that deprives people of knowing the essential you. They only know the you that they encounter, and then they form judgments. That's one of the kinks in the human armor. Yeah, I, I think for me, what what helps is that I remind myself, I allow myself to feel to feel bummed or like, wow, or that was really harsh. You know, it's we're human. So I'm like that. It just doesn't feel good. And, and we all experience it. I really don't get it's rare. I think like that was I'm like I on social media everywhere. I really don't get, you know, hate or stuff like that. But I think, you know, when we do a, a great thing to do and what I do is I'm like, you know what? My life is way too full and fabulous to give this troll any of my energy and I will send them love and and the end, you know, and, and release that person and go back to focusing on all the fabulous people in my life who are loving and supportive and awesome people like yourselves. Beautiful. And you as well, dear lady. Kate Ekman, author of The Full Spirit Workout. We had a great time. Let's do this again. I would love it. Thank you so much.
All right, join us tomorrow. Next up is the Christine Up Church show and later Trip Talk with Gary Mance. Have a great weekend, everyone.